Hi there everyone, my name is Michelle Ann Olson and welcome to Are You Afraid of the Bark? The podcast that explores the paranormal lives of our animal friends. I'm recording today on the Saturday of the civic holiday long weekend in Canada. I've got a little pint of beer beside me, feeling really good and and happy to be here and happy to have you on the other end of my microphone. I do apologize for the raspiness of my voice. I'm going to try not to overdo it because at work, the aquarium that I work at, we're in the midst of our summer camp season and I'm spending my weekdays raising my voice at very bright children, but children are children and they don't pay attention. So finding myself raising my voice a lot and I'm just in the process, I think, of finally losing my voice. So please do excuse sort of the raspier quality of my story today. I don't know, maybe it'll contribute to the overall spook factor. That remains to be seen. Now this is episode two of the newly relaunched Are You Afraid of the Bark podcast, and I would like to take a moment to thank everybody who made the transition and who listened to episode one and who gave me feedback. I just so appreciate that you're listening and that you like these stories and look forward to more. That feedback really warms my heart and I'm really happy to be here and to have you here as well. And these are stories that I think are interesting and deserve to be told, so I hope to continue to tell them. Today, I'm going to be talking about, a little bit unusual for me, a location as opposed to a particular animal or paranormal being. But this location is directly related to what happens to our animal companions after they die. This location is the L.A. Pet Cemetery, and it's one of the oldest and best-known pet cemeteries in the United States. The question of what we do with our animal companions when they pass That answer is very personal and varied. There are so many options for ways in which we can honor the cats and dogs and domestic and farm animals that we spend our time with. The idea of personal memorials in the home is becoming more and more popular, and a good veterinarian will be able to talk you through options for memorializing your pet in the form of urns and paw prints and fur clippings and all of that that you can keep in your home. As far as my experience as a tech and pet owner goes, as a vet tech that is, and pet owner goes, the idea of the pet cemetery is maybe falling out of fashion a little bit, but I've been researching this particular cemetery and some of the epitaphs and graves and fresh offerings and flowers on them. It's its really interesting and moving. And if you have a beloved animal in your life, maybe something worth exploring for that day when that animal passes from your life. Um, I had never really considered pet burial before, but anyway, its it's kind of opened my eyes to a lovely way of memorializing those animals who mean so much for us. So the L.A. Pet Cemetery, like I said, one of the oldest in America and probably due to the caliber or fame of the animals buried there, one of its most well-known, 
It was founded in 1928 by Dr. Eugene C. Jones. So this doctor, he's a doctor of veterinary science, and he practiced in West Hollywood. And his clients tended to be upper-class clientele, clientele from Hollywood, lots of actors and producers and other people involved in Hollywood. And there were, at the time, laws in the state of California that prevented animals from being buried within the city limits. So as he practiced with this clientele, he realized that they didn't have a lot of options for interring or memorializing their pets. And so he purchased 10 acres of land outside of Calabasas, California, and created the Los Angeles Pet Park. This park opened in 1928, and the first animal buried inside was the Jones family dog. To date, this park has passed from owner to owner and has actually been the source of heated sort of contest between different organizations who think that they can run the cemetery more successfully or more in keeping with its original intentions than others. Like there's all sorts of municipal and and zoning laws concerned and these organizations are fighting for ownership of the land. But anyway, the point is that it is still active and in use and quite large with over 40,000 animals interred within its boundaries. So these animals, they range lots of cats and dogs, lots of your sort of typical domestic pets, but the cemetery does also house the remains of horses, parrots, at least one hen or chicken, and the MGM lion named Tawny who died in 1940. Many of these animals are buried in caskets. Horses, due to their size, I found this interesting, are usually buried on the outskirts of the perimeter, upside down, which is just probably logistically necessary, but a strange visual, and are often buried with hay as opposed to a casket, which would have to be quite large and quite expensive. There are a number of celebrity pets or pets owned by celebrities who are interred in the grounds of the L.A. Pet Cemetery. So these include Steven Spielberg's Jack Russell, Hopalong Cassidy's horse Topper, at least one of the PD dogs from The Little Rascals, Charlie Chaplin's cat, Humphrey Bogart's dog, Mary Pickford's dog, and the pets of Harry James, Eva Gabor, Gloria Swanson, Bob Newhart, and Mae West. So a long history dating back to the late 1920s, this is sort of a who's who of Hollywood pets, the rich and famous pets, and the pets of the rich and famous. I do want to take a moment to talk about one of the most famed residents of the cemetery who is not a celebrity pet, but just a cat who captured the attention of America, really, during his lifetime. His name is Room 8. Okay, so he was a cat who lived at Elysian Heights Elementary School in Echo Park, California. In the 1950s, up until he died in 1968, this cat lived in room 8 of that elementary school during the school year and then would take off in the summer. He would leave at the same time as the children and come back at the beginning of the school year. 
So this was very mysterious. He would leave at the end of the year and then turn up the minute school started back up again. And then he would make his way to room number eight. This became, this pilgrimage of his became very popular. A newspaper and television cameras would often wait and report on his annual return. As he aged, a family near the school took him in. So at the end of every school day, the janitor would find him and bring him to that family's home. And when he died, there was a three-column obituary for him that ran in the Los Angeles Times and included a photo. He's also the subject of a popular children's book called A Cat Called Room 8. Donations came in from around the world when he died to help fund his burial. And today he's buried in the L.A. Pet Cemetery with a large tombstone featuring his picture. Now, I do want to read the poem that appears on his epitaph that speaks to how beloved he was, okay? So it's a little bit lengthy, but I I just love the idea of Room 8 and that he captured the hearts of so many. From an elementary school in Los Angeles, he forged a chain of love across the land when the children answered all letters in a firm and steady hand. To lonely shut-ins in faraway places, in wheelchairs and on beds of pain, came letters of love from just a cat, as welcome as the gentle rain. He lived a full and rewarding life, bringing joy to children in many lands. He slept on all the desks at Elysian Heights School, where he felt the comfort of caressing hands. He knew that these children loved him. With them he determined to stay. For his last fifteen years he answered roll call by being present each school day. He knew the children who advanced through the grades from junior high to a college graduation day. He first knew them at Elysian Heights School. His love had been with them all of the way. He found welcome in homes of many neighbors. For many years to no one he would cling. He just waited patiently each morning to hear the school bell ring. Then he adopted the Nakano family, where he found love and shelter from the rain. Each night and through summer vacations, here he was content to remain. He bound millions in this bond of love, a love that extended to foreign lands. He has created a monument in the hearts of all that could never be carved by human hands. Room 8, sleep in peace forever. Your good life millions did condone. There will never be another cat like you. You live in our hearts. You will never be alone. That's just just wonderful. I, I really do love stories like that. Room 8 is buried in the L.A. Pet Cemetery, and his remains one of the most visited and most famous graves in that place. Turning things on their head a little bit, let's talk about the fact that this cemetery is also said to be haunted by some of its famous residents. In particular, I'm referring to Kabar. Now, Kabar belonged to the movie actor Rudolph Valentino. Kabar was an Alsatian Doberman, and it is said that he, being buried on the grounds, has been heard barking and panting in the cemetery and can even be felt licking on visitors' hands, which kind of sends a chill up my body. As lovely as I'm sure Kabar was, that's not something I ever want to experience. So Kabar was born June 20th, 1922, And he was given to Valentino when he was just a few months old by a Belgian family when he was staying on a French estate with the relatives of his then-wife, Natasha Rambova. 
So Alsatian Dobermans are a very smart breed of dog, and the two of them fell in love. Apparently, Valentino loved his dog so much that they had to sleep in the same room every night, no matter where he was traveling. So their bond was special, and he brought this dog wherever he traveled. Rudolph Valentino died on August 23, 1926, in New York. At that time, although Kabar was at home in his L.A. estate, I'm not sure why he was not in New York with his owner. At the precise moment of Valentino's passing, Kabar apparently let out this unearthly howl that was heard by a woman named Beatrice Lilly who happened to be driving past the estate. And she was so overwhelmed and shocked by that sound that she almost drove off the road. So after Valentino died, Kabar broke free from the estate in L.A., and then apparently traveled the country looking for his master, eventually returning to Valentino's estate, which was called Falconcrest, where he passed finally of a broken heart three years after his master on February 2nd of 1929. They, they do say that he, he died of a broken heart, never able to recover from his master's passing. Apparently, uh, in addition to being present in the grounds of the pet cemetery with his, his, his howls and his cries and the physical manifestation of this, this lick on the hands of visitors, he also apparently made a documented appearance at Valentino's mansion on May 6th of 1948. The spiritualists had gathered at the mansion to celebrate Valentino's birthday years after his passing. And during the night, apparently several of these mediums reported seeing the dog who had leapt either in or out through a closed window. And that was corroborated by several sources who were there that night. Although a gathering of mediums intent on conducting and celebrating the birthday of Valentino, we we always wonder what the validity of that source is, but in any case, uh, several of them claim to have seen Kabar's spirit there with them that night. And beyond that, can still be felt haunting the grounds of the L.A. Pet Cemetery. So I would like to end things on a little bit of a more cheerful note. The idea of our pets passing, of needing to be interred, of looking for us after we die, all of that leaves me feeling rather melancholy. So I'd like to end this episode on a bit of a higher note by reading some of the more interesting and even funnier epitaphs to be found in the LA Pet Cemetery today. So here we go. Here's just a random selection of epitaphs, tombstones that I found to be of note. Starting with Satan who lived from 1974 to 1987, says simply on his tombstone, we'll miss you, from Todd, Mindy, and Danny. <laughs> um, next up, Big Dick, who lived from 1926 to 1937. We loved him, from Mr. and Mrs. Roy Rust. Swastika, his epitaph claims that he was the perfect gentleman, from Rokhana G. Speckles. Nig lived from 1937 to 1968 and is gone but not forgotten by his owner Ted Kendrick. Then there's a more recent tube stone 
featuring the photograph of one Chihuahua Gucci, who appears to be a black and tan Chihuahua. His picture features him with wide black eyes and his tongue just sticking out. His epitaph reads, one of a kind, irreplaceable, and unforgettable. He lived from January 17, 2000 to October 28, 2010, and his epitaph also features his owner's broken heart. One of the more moving epitaphs is dedicated to Sonny. It says, run happy, run free, 9-11 hero, never forget, from mom, dad, and Eminem. So one of the most interesting things about this cemetery to me, apart from the humor to be found within the names and messages for deceased animals, One of the most interesting things to me is just the love that these pet owners would feel for their pets or their farm animals or their co-stars. So much love as to pay for cremation or burial or urns or mausoleums or headstones. It really speaks to the power that these animals have and the influence that they continue to have after they pass. I just think it's a really lovely idea that this veterinarian had. He saw a need for people to properly mourn their animals and to pay them proper respects and filled that need. The fact that the cemetery is still in use today, that it contains 40,000 remains, it just I think it's lovely that our animals, the animals in our lives, have such an impact that we feel the need to remember them always in all of these different ways. I hate to think of the day when my own beloved cat will pass, but I imagine that I'm going to want to pay her every respect and and maybe have her remains in my in my home to help me remember her every day. So as sad as the passing of these animals or their owners is, I think that this story is overall quite lovely and speaks to this deep bond. Moving forward on this podcast, I'm hoping to talk about and to receive stories of pets that have passed and how they have maybe returned to their owners. I know that there are several stories I hope to discuss in the future about animal hauntings, haunting their owners, reappearing to their owners, uh, manifesting after their death. It's just overall this idea that like people, their time on earth might not end with their time of death. So anyway, it's, it's just so fascinating to me and Overall, I think a very positive thing that these animals mean so much to us and then we want to memorialize them after they pass. I will finish my story in talking about an animal who captured the hearts and imaginations of more than just the people who knew him directly, and that is Jiggs. Jiggs was a chimpanzee who played Tarzan's chimpanzee Cheetah in the Tarzan movie. When Jiggs died, he was so famous that he had been paid about $100 a day for his acting. He had a social security card and was a member in good standing of the Screen Actors Guild of America. So when he died in 1938, this loss was felt deeply by Hollywood and across the world 
and a funeral was held for him that was attended by stars such as Dorothy L'Amour, Ray Milland, and Bing Crosby. One of the articles that I read about the L.A. Pet Cemetery in the Mirror implies that a lot of people see the L.A. Pet Cemetery as just another example of Hollywood kish, or like Hollywood maybe making a big deal out of a small thing, not being in touch with reality, but also then goes on to follow a woman who lost her Jack Russell Terrier through the process of burying that dog and ultimately concludes that this space means so much more than just like a a kitschy tourist attraction in LA, like continues to serve a very heartfelt purpose for residents in that state. So that article in the mirror talks about Lori Tragen Boykoff, who had just lost the love of her life, her black and white Jack Russell Terrier, Rosie. And I just wanted to share some of the quotes that Boykoff gave to the mirror for this article about choosing to inter their family pet. So Rosie had been suffering from some sort of illness and was put down at the age of 18. And this is what her owner had to say about choosing to bury her at the L.A. Pet Cemetery. I wasn't sure how I was going to cope never being able to stroke or cuddle her. Before the funeral, they were allowed a final viewing, and she said, I stroked her one last time before burying her. I spent 20 minutes with her. It was very comforting and therapeutic. She brought me and my family so much happiness. I'll never forget how she loved running around the hillside in the back garden. She would run for hours at a time. I didn't want her cremated. I wanted somewhere I could come and visit and just say hello. I chose the plot myself. It is so peaceful and serene. A real harbor from the tempest in Los Angeles. Anyway, that concludes, I'm like getting a little bit emotional about this. There's just something so touching about all of it. Uh, That concludes my delving into the story of the LA Pet Cemetery. Thank you very much for joining me again for this second episode of the new and improved Are You Afraid of the Bark podcast. Please, once again, I will put out this call into the other. If you like the podcast, the very best way that you can let me know that is by leaving a starred review and a written review of the podcast on its page on Apple Podcasts. I would like to remind you that since the podcast was relaunched, you do have to resubscribe to the new pages for the podcast on whatever app you get your podcasts from. So please unsubscribe from the previous version and resubscribe to the new version on its new page because the new episodes will not appear on the old podcast pages. I'm sorry if that's a little bit confusing. I just really wanted to start a fresh start uh, when we relaunched with our first episode last week. If you have any feedback about the podcast, if you have any questions for me, if you have any stories of paranormal animal activity in your life, you can reach out in a number of ways. The first being afraidofthebarkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Facebook at AYAOTB Podcast, on Instagram at Afraid of the Bark Podcast, and on Twitter at Afraid of the Bark. 
So please send me comments, feedback, likes, dislikes, your own stories especially. I'm super interested in hearing those. Down the road, it would be fantastic if we could do some sort of listener's special episode with your stories. I really want to explore this idea that when our animals leave us, maybe they're not as gone as we think that they are. So reach out. I would love to hear from you. And if you like the podcast, just please, if you have it in you, to retweet or share or like or just engage with me on social media. That would just be so, so, so helpful. Thank you once again for joining me here at Are You Afraid of the Bark podcast. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And as always, I will leave you by simply hoping that you have sweet dreams tonight. Thank you. (laughs) 